this week on the Happy Half Hour. They've been talking for three years about building a defense so that if you can just get league average quarterback play, we're not close to league average quarterback play right now. When passes get batted down at the line of scrimmage, they get picked off. All of a sudden, a defense that's been playing really well is just sitting there exhausted. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gant. It's that time of the week. This podcast is brought to you by Prowling Vineyards, which is the official wine brand and wine club of the Carolina Panthers. Each handcrafted wine mirrors the Panthers' bold attitude and the iconic flavors honor the two states we are proud to call home. Plus, a portion of the proceeds support the Carolina Panthers charities. So learn more at prowlingvineyards.com. All right, it is Thursday morning, guys. How are we feeling, Augusta? I feel great. Yeah. I have my coffee. I got some new disposable cups so I can stop like having to wash the same one over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, what good. are we putting in the coffee? Because I know there was a while where you were on a coffee and lemonade kick. I was. I was. So this is, I just got the creamer yesterday. It's an almond sweet cream, something like that. Mm. It's delicious. Now, so. something tells me Darren is a uh, black coffee yeah, type of guy. Yeah, truck stop <laughs> black. That's, that's me. You it's- know what, Darren? I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't need a lot of stuff. It's just about the drug. I need caffeine inside <laughs> me, so it's uh it's just a delivery. Darren vehicle, just gets honestly. an IV of so, yeah, just shoot it right into my vein every morning. It's like going in, getting the oil changed. Let's go. So we're gonna talk about uh everything today. We're gonna talk about the offense, we're gonna talk about the defense, we're we're gonna, you know, some good, some bad. But before we do, we're gonna have a little palate cleanser with Darren. Darren, you told me something right before we came on the air. As if I should know about this, and I'd never heard about it. So can you please explain? It's only the greatest thing on the internet this week. It's called Fat Bear Week. (laughs) It's Fat Bear Week, everybody. Let's celebrate. Um, A national park in Alaska takes pictures of its bears every summer and fall. And, you know, the bears. photo shoot? Yeah, the bears try to bulk up for hibernation Mm -hmm. because, you know, if you're not going to eat for a couple months, you got to load up in advance. There's a bear called Otis who once ate 42 salmon in one day. It's amazing. Um, but they take before and after pictures of these bears, and you go online. If you just Google Fat Bear Week, you can see the fat bears. And, you know, you vote for your favorite fat bear. And I'm not trying to influence democracy. I want everybody to have a voice in this. But the correct fat bear this year is Bear 901. Some of them just have numbers. But Bear 901 may or may not be pregnant, and she has – Loaded up. She is the bestest fat bear of them all. So uh, vote early, vote often. I think today's the day 901's on the ballot. So maybe <laughs> we're in the quarterfinals. I don't know. But Otis is a like a three-time champion. I mean, my God, if you eat 42 salmon in a day, you ought to do something. But, um, yeah, I, I think 901's coming strong this year, and she is a big fat bear. I did just Google fat bear 901, which is not something I ever thought I would Google. And I see exactly what you're saying. I hope everyone who's listening is Googling as well. She does look pregnant. Yeah. Yes. But awesome. This was and me last not year. No, but, <laughs> not but and also. That's, yes. That's one of those things my wife taught me. She said, when you start a sentence with, I love you, but you don't, don't do that. That's 
I love you, but you folded my shirt wrong. Oh, I love you. And so, <laughs> anyway, where were we? Fat Beer Week. Yeah, I think that's what the whole podcast is going to be about, right? We could talk it's... about William the Refrigerator Perry. That brings it right back to football. There now, we go. there's our off-ramp out of this discussion. Also ate 42 salmon in one day. No, I'm yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate, Darren, you setting the tone. I mean, it is the Happy Half Hour podcast yes. after all, but but now we got to get to some business. Yeah. Um, look, let's let's talk about the offense here. I mean, I don't know what another transition from Fat Bear Week right. to the Panthers is. Uh, we're just going to talk about the offense. I think if you're listening to this podcast, aside from learning new things about Fat Bear 901, y- you want to know what's going on. And right. I, I think the two of you have great insight into um, the, the tenor around here, what uh, – what people are working on, and and what you think. Yes, it's less happy uh, this week. The news hasn't been great. I mean, the offense is not in a good spot right now. And one of the things I've yelled about for years and years and years, when you watch this stuff, when you talk to coaches, when you talk to players, when you watch practice, you realize it's very seldom as simple as one thing. Absolutely. People want to make it about one thing, and it's only this and only that. And listen, there are things that the Carolina Panthers are doing offensively that do not make it easy on Baker Mayfield. But right now, Baker Mayfield's kind of the biggest thing that's not working. I mean, Baker is not the player they've hoped they were going to get. They've all they've been talking for three years about building a defense so that if you can just get league average quarterback play, we're not close to league average quarterback play right now. Baker's down near the bottom. I mean, oddly enough, as I was going through this week's stats, he's actually third in the league in fourth quarter passer rating, which is weird. But I think a lot of that was built on a couple of big plays, the Robbie play, the LaVisca play, and then that long drive at the end of the Cardinals game the other day when you know the Cardinals were up two scores, which makes it a little bit easier. But Baker's not been great. He's not been great on third down. Uh, he's getting passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's tired of hearing people ask him about that already. Uh, but until the narrative changes, until he does something to give us something different to talk about, that's going to continue to be a thing. Because when passes get batted down at the line of scrimmage, they get picked off, Cardinals take short field and score, all of a sudden a defense that's been playing really well for the first four weeks is just sitting there exhausted like, you know, we can hold these guys to field goals, but we're still down now. And it's just until that stuff gets squared away, you don't, you know, you see things. I mean, I, I honestly, I talk to these people downstairs and they're like, there are moments when it looks right. There are moments when it looks put together, but out there on Sundays, it hasn't so far. I think one question that the fans have, and I mean, maybe a lot of people have is, is why are the passes getting batted down? I, I don't necessarily think it's a height thing. We saw and Kyler yeah. Murray is an inch shorter yeah. than Baker Mayfield. We've seen Russell guys Wilson like Drew Brees, right? Yes. Line, is that right? Do you have insight for are either of you from from talking to people about what that is and if it's a fixable problem? It it it, it can be fixable and it can be fixed by offensive linemen. I mean, I guess to talk to Austin Corbett the other day about this and and the stuff that they do. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, the first thing is, you know, getting out in front of them, making sure you're 
going at them on their shoulders, keeping mm-hmm. their hands Keep, down. Getting their hands it's all down. about placement yep. and like things like that. One person I did talk to was PJ Walker. He had a lot of just very specific mechanical things. Like he's like, I mean, I've seen this. I know what it is. And he, you know, as tangible as an answer he could, he's like arm angles sometimes to look less predictable. Right. Um, of where exactly it's going to go. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's where you kind of attack people and you got to make sure if you see their hands going up to, it's like a visual thing. There's a lot of different pieces to it. It sounds, right. Brady Christensen kind of made it sound kind of complicated. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different factors. I, I think mean, there are. And that's yeah. the thing, what Darren said, is we all try to pin it on one thing, but football is a chess game and there's so many different things that go into it. I think it's a great point. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think about all of the roles that they have to play, and that's just another one of them. I think in general, I mean, I would say the offensive line looks pretty good. I mean, yeah. you know, in general, but it's just those tiny, tiny little things, and and they're very focused on, you know, trying to figure that out. But at the same time, it's like, you know, sometimes they just beat you, and they're just – all you got to do is just hands up. You mm-hmm. watch the plays happen. Sure. It's just so quick. And that's what D linemen are trained to do is get your hands exactly. up. J.J. Watt is someone that's done that for years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and some of it is – some of it can be solved by play calling. You can do certain things. I think one of the things – you know, and again, all of this stuff is very complicated, but right now – I know people roll their eyes every year when they hear a coach talk about getting back to basics, but right now Baker looks like a guy who's making too many decisions at, at the line of scrimmage. And could they streamline things for him? Could they make it a little bit, you know, there's there are a lot of things going on. And when there's a lot of stuff going on, I think what you want to strip down and do is um, – you know, take the things you're good at, do more of those. The stuff you're struggling with, don't worry about that right now. Do the stuff you know you can do. And I think they can – that's the coaching cliche, put guys in positions to succeed. And I think that's kind of where they have to get to right now. They've got to take the things Baker can do well. We've seen some of them and just do more of that. And and also it would follow, and we've heard um, Matt Rule say this, uh, uh, and players – other members of the coaching staff, um, if you want to uh, capitalize on things that are done well in this offense, is run the ball. Yep. Right? Um, Christian, two straight 100-yard games, gets eight carries last week. That's probably not enough carries. Now, they're running the fewest offensive plays of any team in the league yes. because they're last in the league in third down conversion percentage. So, again, this thing spirals a little bit, but I, I think if you – people could have a do-over, they would probably want to put the ball in Christian's hands more than two times running in the second half of last week's game. As our friend Jake DeLone will say on the radio broadcast, you can't go wrong by putting it in the hands of your best player. Yep. Or very rarely can you go wrong. Doesn't have to that. be that hard. Um, I, another one, uh, another question that I you know, have been hearing a lot and that has been focused on a lot in the press conferences in the media is uh, Baker's footwork. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get you guys insight on what you've learned about that. I was talking to Matt Rule yesterday for our TV interview, and I said, you know, what are you challenging Baker with this week? What do you want to see? He said, I want uh, his footwork to look the way it does in practice. And we see him in practice as well. So you know, again, knowing that all this stuff is way more complicated right. than than the three of us know or anyone at home knows. Hypothetically, what are the reasons in which um, your footwork would look good in practice, but it doesn't in games? Being in a hurry, thinking about a lot of stuff. I mean, being in a new environment where you don't know. I think that's the biggest thing, too. And And listen, if they could, you want to talk about getting in a time machine. If you could make this trade in April 
So he had OTAs, so he's had plenty of practice time with all these people. You do that. But they trade for him in July for a lot of reasons. And um, you can't do that over now, but it's just a matter of reps. I, I think it's – one of the things I looked at the other day is Baker has always – and somebody made this point in the mailbag in a question. You know, he's changed offensive coordinators a lot, mm-hmm. and his best numbers came in weeks 9 through 12. Hmm. You know, I mean, and it makes sense. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And getting more reps and getting more comfortable seems to be a reasonable answer. But at the same time, it's week five, clock's ticking. And you're one and three right now, so you need to get some stuff fixed in a hurry if it's going to get fixed. And I think it's it, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about looking like he's in a hurry because he knows what to do. He's been told what to do. He's seen how to do it. But when the game, when he takes that snap from Pat Elfline, all of a sudden a lot of stuff gets loose. And when you get in a hurry, bad things happen. So coaches talk about all the time, and I know, you know, Matt's answer is the correct one. You know, be the same guy every day. Do the things you know that are correct and do them over and over, and things ought to work themselves out. But it's frustrating when you get in the course of a game and things – the one thing goes wrong, and then it's just this cascading series of problems. Well, the margin of error is so granular, too. I talked with um, wide receivers coach Joe Daly last week just kind of about, you know, we hear building chemistry with receivers all of the time. And last week, Matt Rule challenged the receivers to, you know, just all of these things like get open and all that. But but I I found Daly's insight so fascinating because um, I kind of hearing him talk made me think about my marching band roots where it's like they need to be in step. And I mean, from like the second, like the way Baker's feet need to mirror the receiver's feet in the way where they know exactly what's going on. It's so much more. It's so just the margin of error is like so tiny, like you can't see my hands, but like I'm just, it's itty bitty. He's like, Theater of the it, mind. It, mm-hmm. there's no space between her so thumb and her forefinger. None, zero. No, it's just so granular, granular, so small. And, and when you're like, like Darren said, you know, I, panicked isn't the word, but just, you know, kind of getting in, getting loose, you know, thinking in your head too much. It keeps that from progressing. So you see these throws that you watch them and you're like, where in the world was that going? But it's because they're, they're these tiny little things. And, and whenever uh, Joe Daly told me that, I was like, wait a minute, this makes a lot more sense. Because, you know, the receivers, they're, it's DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They're very, you know, generally pretty calm, cool, collective people in general. But, and you have Baker over here who's still getting adjusted to things. He's still, but, but again, like Darren said, it's week five times a tick in and there hasn't been marked improvement. There's an argument that things have not gotten any better if stagnated to worse almost. So it's like, where, where do you go from that point? But it's, it's the walking in step thing was just so fascinating to me. It's like, you have to know exactly where the steps are planted and that's the way to kind of get that chemistry the word that we always hear mm-hmm. yeah. and it's fascinating to and me. it and again the little things make big differences you yes. go back to that Giants game and you look at that thing again one of the things that I think as armchair analysts look at films and read PFF grades and that kind of thing you don't know what the play call is but no. it but if a guy is super is supposed to run a 14-yard route or break at 14 yards and he breaks at 12, he's going to make his quarterback look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And without knowing all that, you know, you know, people say, oh, my God, Baker did, you know, that was horrible. How can he, 
And a lot of times it's not necessarily Baker. And a couple times early on, it wasn't necessarily Baker. But he's also missed. I mean, he has straight up missed some balls and not been accurate. That's what's amazing is he is, you know, effectively a 60% career passer or completion percentage guy. And he is not a 60% guy right now. Mm Mm-mm. As he had said, I think it was a week one, uh, there were some miscues between him and Shai Smith. He said, I'm a very accurate quarterback, and so I should put the ball. And that is what you would associate with him in college and um, with the Browns. You know, that that is not something that has ever been an issue. And so that's why I appreciate yeah. you guys' insight into these things, because I think that's what uh, what fans are wondering, which is like, Right. On a granular level, what are these things that we hear about that we see in the games, and can they yeah. get fixed? And he talked about it yesterday. I asked him if he kind of compares it to last year in Cleveland when he was hurt and not playing well. But And that's the weird thing about what's going on right now. What he's done over the last four weeks is worse than what he was putting on the streets when he was hurt last mm-hmm. year. So that's kind of the red light that indicates it's more than just one thing. Um because he's not been the same guy we're we're used to seeing, and I think uh, he knows that. But he his whole thing yesterday was it's not philosophy, it's not a theory. It's I've got to do X, Y, Z in the correct order, and then everything will start to. Mm. That's that's a thing when when rule talks about we see it on tape. That's that's what he means when they turn on the tape. They're very specific, and Christian was funny. Not funny, but insightful talking about it yesterday in the locker room. He's like, you know, they're not coaching bad football. The stuff they're showing us is correct. It works. It's on us to do it. And that's kind of where they are with Baker and everybody on offense right now. That we've heard a lot about. It's time to do it. Yeah. Let's talk about the defense. So get the unfortunate news out of the way because there's a, a lot of optimism. Going forward with this defense, they are an impressive unit. But unfortunately, bad news first. Jeremy Chin um, is on injured reserve now with a right. hamstring injury. Uh, Darren, what is the what is the latest with that? What you, have you heard? You could tell that one wasn't great uh, during the game Sunday. In, he, in the moment. Right. Yeah, you could tell. He, I could plays, tell. he plays six snaps, comes off the field, and he tried to get on that bike. He tried to keep it warm. He tried to move it around. And then there was just a – you could tell there was that recognition of, yeah, no. Uh, and it's a shame because Jeremy's such a valuable piece, and the way they move him around, do different stuff with him. You know, we saw when he was blitzing and impacting plays early on. I mean, they can do so many things with Jeremy. You don't replace that with one guy, and I mm-hmm. don't think they plan to. I mean, it's going to it's gonna be some combination of Miles Hartsfield, Justin Burris, maybe even Marquise Blair, you know, different mm-hmm. guys. Sean Chandler's primarily a special teams guy, but he can play some defense too occasionally. And and they're just going to have to mix and match personnel because you don't replace somebody like Jeremy with one guy. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, that's, that's the thing. When you look at this defense, for all the spots they've been in, they're pretty good in red zone rankings because they're holding people to field goals when they have to defend short fields. Mm-hmm. They're they're getting pressure on people even if there aren't big sack numbers. You know, Burns is playing well. Frankie Louvu, my God. Playing out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's doing – he's beat up, and, and Frankie's on the injury report uh, with those shoulders again this week, and I think that's just going to be kind of the way with him because – 
he's a guy who's probably been a 25-30 snap a game on defense guy. And because the defense is playing a lot of snaps, suddenly he's a 75-80 snap a game guy. And that comes with a physical toll. And Frank, he's starting to show some of that right now. But he's also always on the field and always around the ball. So I um, – you know, there are a lot of things to latch on to. They, they're in a similar spot to places they've been previously, and I don't just mean in 20 and 21. I mean, I think back to 02 when Rodney Pete was the quarterback, and it's like, we're going to win games 12 to 9. We're, we're going to play you 16, 13 games and be perfectly content with it, and that's kind of the spot they have to get themselves to right now while they're getting stuff sorted on offense. And it should be said that uh, Miles Hartsfield, Sean Chandler came in and played very well. Um, like as you said, uh, Jeremy Chin just six naps before you tell that that hamstring immediately uh, something was wrong and did not play most of the game. And this defense looked really good and performed well without him. And as you said, Justin Burris now on the active roster from the practice squad, someone who has familiarity, has uh, started a lot of games for this defense and um, cannot replace Jeremy Chin with just one person, as Darren yep. so eloquently said. But good plan in place going forward, considering that he will not be around for at least four weeks, yep. potentially more. And the defense is just going to have to continue making plays. That's on them. And they will. I, I, fully, I fully believe that. And, you know, one guy who I always see – on the field, really being a difference maker. You hear the coaches talk about him, but, you know, when you're down there, standing there, you really see it in real time is Xavier Woods. And, Augusta, I know you are writing a piece on him or have written a piece on him, depending on when this comes out, on Panthers.com. Tell me about what you've learned about him. Yes, so yesterday in the locker room, it was honestly just fascinating. I got to speak with J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, and a little bit of C.J. Henderson, who's known as, you know, more of a quiet guy. But um, he even got, like, some insight on just how much of an impact he has as, as a veteran, as an older guy, as a guy who's seen a lot. But even past, you know, his experience and all of that, which is extremely valuable. Everyone was talking about he just has a very high football IQ. Um, the thing about Xavier, just like as a person, is, you know, on the sidelines and in the locker room, he's very, you know, to himself. He's reserved. He's mature. And um, on the field, Dante told me he's like a completely different person. Yeah, he is super vocal, very communicative. And the things that he's communicating, I mean, uh, JC, I, I love the way JC put it. Um he and I want to give like the context to JC. You know, he played three games last year. He's still getting used to the league. He was talking about how you get out, you run out of the tunnel, you have all of the the pageantry, the loud noise, and you go out on defense, and everyone's cheering for you, and you can spend all week studying. For like, you know, okay, if I see this formation, this is what we're going to do, X, Y, Z. He's like, and we study and we know it. And then at that moment, you're just like, oh, my goodness. You know, the moment is big and everything is loud and I am so excited. And he's like, and Xavier Woods is back there and he's like a coach on the field. And he like, you know, gets us back in line. And in a way, it's like, okay, you see the way the defense is performing. How much of that is truly like Xavier Woods, you know, hey, JC, this, this, that. You know, it's it's just hearing the impact that he has, you know, he can calm people down. He has that presence and he's just a completely different animal. And and again, one of the other things JC told me was like, he doesn't say a ton. So whenever he's off the field and he's telling you something, you're going to listen because Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, he's saying this. So he just has that kind of commanding presence to him. And I think that's such a valuable piece in a secondary that is so incredibly young. I mean, second, third, fourth year people just like, 
like kind of lining the ways there. I mean, he he's has experience, but more than anything, he's just he's intelligent. He JC's like he knows the playbook better than anybody, and he just got here this year. You know, I just I, I think that's absolutely extremely valuable, and I think sometimes he can be overshadowed because he isn't you know the Dante Jackson personality or uh, you know JC Horn's kind of. Uh, status but well, he's and, huge. and, and he's also huge. you don't always uh, don't always hear his name called in the game on big plays but there is but what he is doing is making sure that defense is playing together and making those big plays he's a the type of a field general you know and uh, we've seen a lot of them on these Panthers defenses in the past and we know exactly um, how important that is you know uh, Luke Keekley who's doing radio broadcast with us cannot say enough about him and I think that that says a lot about yeah. the type of person um, and the type of leader that he is on the field, along with some of those other guys as well. No doubt. Well, I can't wait to read that, Augusta. Exactly. No, it's great. There's all sorts of good stories in there. And J.C. Horn's just an awesome interview, too. Just got to give that shout out. Yes, God, he I is. I love talking to him. Yes, he is. <laughs> One of the best voices, too. I know that doesn't come across in, in written articles, but, man, that, like, tenor of his voice, the gravelly thing, it's like, man, that's a that's a good voice to have. He'd have a, he'd be good on a podcast. Yeah, J.C. <laughs> sounds like football. Yeah, he'd he'd on an audio a great book. way to put that audio, but I would listen to an audio but that's for sure <laughs> well uh speaking of defense we're going to end this with uh, a live call from our very own panther stats guy right usually darren yeah. goes tracks him down and um and gets the stat of the week will stat of the week but today we are going to do this live i cannot wait what a great way to end this okay we have our very own panther stats guy on the phone you are en route somewhere will where are you going well, this time I'm not going to Cone Toe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually going past Lugoff Elgin for all of you South Carolina small town uh, connoisseurs. I think you're just you just make up names. Are when those you get in two car. different places? Is that hyphenated? What are we talking like about a Winston here? I think I think it's a hyphen. The high school is hyphened. I think that they may fight each other over who has control of the river. I don't know if there's a river, but I think they're on both sides of it. I'm pulling for the Lugoffs. Augusta seems familiar. I've definitely seen the hyphen. I don't know if it was the high school, but my vague knowledge of South Carolina high school football. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. So you're they, just you're just going to this you're just going to this high school football game? Yeah, I'm 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 going past it actually. We're going to uh, to the coast to do a little uh, hurricane Ian cleanup. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. you know, giving back to the community. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you have a uh, a stat for us today in the midst of all you're doing, driving, going to clean up, and uh, you're still making time for us with a great defensive stat, right? Yeah. So last week, Carolina scored its second straight defensive touchdown in consecutive games. Marquise Haynes had the first one against the Saints. Frankie Louvu with the pick six against the Cardinals. The last time Carolina's done that was 2005. I think it was Chris Gamble and Will Witherspoon back-to-back games with a defensive touchdown. And don't even ask me when they've ever done three in a row because I don't know because I haven't looked it up. But I do know that the last time that they hosted the 49ers in Bank of America Stadium, Shaq Thompson had a defensive touchdown Ooh. back in 2016. I, I like the sound of that, Will, yeah. leaving us with some optimism here. Darren, do you remember those two defensive touchdowns in 05? I, I actually do. That, that was a Chris Sims uh, interception in that first game, and the Will touchdown, the Will Witherspoon touchdown, came off Jets legend Brooks Bollinger. Oh. Yeah. So And, it, then, uh, and then, Augusta, just for funsies, how old were you in 05? 05? Um, <laughs> I turned seven. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm out here watching Will Witherspoon take Brooks Bollinger to the house. Great. I'm sorry. I had yeah, to do it. Fair. Will, we miss you. Thank you for the stat. Please get there safe. And, uh, and before we let you go, what are your thoughts on Fat Bear Week? I mean, 901, that's, that's a big one. That's like, 901's got to gotta take it, right? <laughs> we, uh, we have discussed 901. <laughs> Already on this podcast. That was perfect. We that that was not planned, everybody. That was amazing. Yeah. That's no better place to leave yeah. it than that. Who sticks the landing better than Panther Stats? Oh guy? my gosh, nobody. Will, thank you, Darren Augusta, thank you, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on the Happy Half Hour Podcast.